going to show you now a little bit what we've done and what we're doing in Vietnam. Video, please. So I think a lot of you would have seen some of the people before when you came out on trips, uh, when you were, uh, I came and showed it in our newsletters. Uh, those people, most of those people are still there and are still doing things. Some of the kids um, have really gone on and like hang. Uh, we took her in from the street when she was 13. Uh, we employed her, we put her back in school. When I moved to China, uh, we actually brought her over and sent her to cooking school. Um, she graduated from cooking school. She went on. She went back to Vietnam. And she ended up back in China working with a full working visa, also helping the orphanages, the HIV homes. She has just returned now to Vietnam because now there's no work for her in China. There, they moved her and everything was locked down in her city and the restaurant won't be able to open until at least three months' time. So there's no salary for her. So she managed to just get back into Vietnam. She couldn't fly direct. They'd shut the borders. 
Um, maybe I can show a video of that later. But she's back in Vietnam and a uh, very strong Christian wanting to see things changed. <clears throat> so as you can see, Vietnam's a little thing at the bottom, uh, out coming off of China, a little tail. But it also has lots of people there. And you at the Beacon have been supporting um, the kids, Bow and Claude's kids, for many years. Um, Bow and Claude, I spoke to them the other day. Uh, they're doing well. They've just got a brand new baby. Um, it ca came up there. The mother was 16, and uh, she was going to have an abortion. They persuaded her not to. She had the little baby, lived with them for three months, then went to the supermarket one day and never came back. So they have this little baby. Bow and Claude are quite old now. Claude's in his mid-70s. Bow, she's a little bit younger. And they look after eight young kids permanently. They, the little baby is well with them. So they have nothing in their house. They really have, they live very, very simply. Uh, Claude thinks one clothes on, one clothes in the wash, and he does that for all the kids as well. They use all their retirement money to help look after the children. And they've done a really good job, but they are... Um, there's no furniture in the house either. They sit on the floors. I think you can see that. That's quite common in Vietnam, but they've given up quite a lot to look after these kids. So the kids need praying for, they need praying for, um, and the work needs continually praying for. They had, over a period of time, maybe eight or ten shelters. Uh, these have slowly closed. The government's clamped down, but uh, they have still about four left but they run the baby home um, and have done for about eight years now. So please pray for them. Okay, so now before we're going to move on to um, China, I would like everyone to be a little bit as a participant. So can everybody stand? <laughs> Next slide, please. Okay, these are supposed to flash up, but basically I want to show you what it's like to be a Christian going in China today. Okay, so who here has been a teacher? Can you sit down, please? Has been or is, yeah. Okay, uh, we know that the young people outside, so there's nobody here that's under 18, I don't think. Oh, okay, we have one. All right, has anyone here ever brought their children or grandchildren to church? Please sit down. And the final one, who has ever given Christian literature or shared your faith with somebody else? So what we have left standing is what the church in China can legally do today. Um, you can legally go to the Three Self Church, which is the government church, and they are very lively churches, some of them. Um, but the new government edict is if you are a teacher you are not allowed to go to church. And it's very easy how they control that because first of all, you have to sign on your contract saying you're not a believer. My friend, he's a university professor, he's a, a lovely Chinese young man. Um, he was embarrassed, but he said, I have to have a job, so I say I'm not a believer, along with the other four in his university teachers. So if you say, well, can you go to church? 
They will turn up at the church and every three self church has a little video camera and every face is facially recognized. So you cannot go into the church because once you do, that's it. You've lost your job. Same with children now. Any children seen going in the church, the parents will be punished for that. So it's actually getting harder and harder again. Nearly all the home house churches, which were really large, um, I don't know one house church now that is still meeting in a large place. They've all split and they really have gone back to meeting in homes. Um, so actually it's getting a lot, lot harder again. Um, under the present leadership, um, the, the whole thing is to make China great again. I wonder where we've heard that from but to actually make it more Chinese. So the good thing is that the leader has decided that there are not enough Bibles for everybody in China, and it's a very old um, translation. So he has decided to set up a panel, which is amazing, of his good men to re-translate the Bible. And of course, it now contains a lot of... Um, Confucian thought and pro-government. So actually, it's been changed. Um, and it's a very interesting way of making even the Christians think more under a government system. The control is amazing now. Um, so even for foreigners, everything is facially scanned. Um, wherever we walk, there's cameras. Um, our cars, everyone knows where you go. Every village has um, CCTV cameras. Uh, even when my mother was out there, she had to have her face scanned so that if she went outside, they could pick her up. Um, it's very easy to control people. Um, this year, Rachel was asked by her university, even the foreigners now, are you a Christian? Foreign Affairs said, and she said yes, and they said thank you very much. We know that her contract also wouldn't have been renewed this year. Um, there are people that have played, uh, Chinese Christians that have played in the universities, films that aren't even Christian. Shawshank Redemption, that is not a Christian movie if anyone's seen it. And one of the um, pupils, one of the students, because there's now a financial reward to turn in people that are not following the party line, reported her, and because it had a Bible in it, she lost her job, and since May has had to sit in the office from 8 till 5 every day just staring at the walls. Um, she doesn't know if she'll be employed next year, but she won't ever be able to teach again. Uh, there's financial uh, incentive to turn in foreign spies. It's a lot of money. It's about um, the equivalent of 5,000 US dollars if you can turn in a foreign spy. So if anyone says anything anti-establishment and you can get proved and turned in, that's a lot of money for people. And the Chinese can get even more money if they report family members. So it's starting to become very, um, going backwards. The social credit system is very, very controlling. Who you're friends with on your social media. Um, and if your friends get, it keep being blocked, you know that you've got a problem, so you take yourself off that 
list, but it's too late. There's this link to everybody in China. So it's hard. It's not to say it's depressing, it's just hard. So please continue to pray for everyone in China that is looking to forward the gospel and stand up for their faith. <clears throat> um, that's one of the reasons why we're not here as well, not there. Um, as a foreigner, we would endanger what they can be doing. Um, it's not good for, the, for people to associate with foreigners now. Uh, there is definite anti-foreign feeling. Um, in our area, I never thought we'd see that, but we do. You hear it all the time now. Um, and I suppose that's coming worldwide. It's not something we should be surprised about. So anyway, now you know, everyone's sitting down. We have a very big church here <laughs> this morning. Um, but that just gives you a little hint of what it's like. So when we went to Dali, uh, Tracy, myself, Rachel, Penny, um, we started, we wanted to become part of the community. We built a house because we really believed we need to reach out to people. We had a 20-year plan. We believed God wanted to see revival come to the village that we built the house in. We had a 20, it's 20 years it will take. And I was like, maybe it'll take 30, but 20 years, we can do this. And um, last Christmas, our house was demolished, Christmas Day, very distressing. We're like, why, God, we have a 20-year plan, we've invested, we're just seeing all these new believers come in the village. And we were, and everyone was talking about it. The people in Dali, they didn't know who we were. They were talking about this village that suddenly was starting to turn to Christ. And um, we were really mad then, you know, and it's just like, why, why, why? Then we, we'd already had been introduced to this young guy. His wife was a by the local believers. And um, when he was being introduced to us by my, my friends uh, in Kunming, um, she said, I believe these are strategic to help your plan. Because we can't pastor the church that was being birthed. We're foreigners. It wouldn't work. Culturally, everything else. So we had a problem. We were getting new believers, and we had to find someone to forward them, disciple them, to pastor them. So it's very different. Most people don't want to move to a rural area. Most people don't want to pastor the poor, the unlovely, the difficult um, but we had this amazing problem. And this young guy came up and he was like, yeah, okay, we'll pray. And he went away. And then I said to Rachel early last year, I said, Rachel, we are getting too many Christians here. We need to do something. Call Tian Ming in and just say, we want you to continue this work. So she called him in and he had been, he said to Rachel, I've been praying where God would want me to serve this year. He said, and I've been going around the lake. So Rachel said, well, come see our village. He couldn't remember it, but she took him around and stood outside um, this family. It's the poorest in the village family. And he stood there, and as they came out the door, he said, I've been here before. He said, I came around the lake on my motorbike, just like I used to with Tracy saying, where do we plant you know, our place. 
And he said, I stood outside and I saw these people and I said to God, how can I help them? And they're believers. And then we, Rachel took them to another house and the same thing happened. And his heart was so moved, he said, okay, this is God, I'm, I'm here. And we're like, go talk to your church about it, you know, see what is going to happen. We didn't realize we were already partnering with his um, pastor. We do a lot of work as well with his pastor. We didn't know he came from that church. They were against it. They said no. Um, so he said, I'm still praying. And one of his friends came to him and said, what has God told you to do? And he said, to be there. He said, who do you listen to? God or man? He's prepared the way for you. So he said, yes. They agreed to move. They agreed to come. They agreed to uproot their little child, put them in the village. And two weeks later, their church agreed after they'd stepped out. They are now living in the village. He is now pastoring the church that has formed in our village. The first church that is on the village that we know of in the whole area. And it's very exciting. Um, so please pray for him. His name is Tian Ming. He's opened a shop, a little tea shop. Uh, some of you got the tea from that at Christmas. Um, so that he's got a, a reason to be in the um, village We've had so much favor, we've done outreaches with the police knowing about it and helping us, Christian outreaches. Last Christmas was the first Christmas we did it in the Bai language. We preached the gospel, our workers, in the Bai language, their local language, to hundreds of people in the village. That was our last Christmas that we could do anything. Now it's up to the pastor and the church to do it. But the amazing thing is, when our house came down, we couldn't do character first. Shirley, um, who's our evangelist, she couldn't go out. So I said, look, the village, the police have come to me. They've thanked us so much for helping in the village. They've said we can use the police station to do this work. And they do. So the character first now meets in the local police station with the police fully saying, okay. The downside is the pastor and everyone else says, you can't come anymore. And we're like, okay. So if our house hadn't been pulled down, we would still be there, but we couldn't be involved and it would be very hard. And also with our house being pulled down, it was pulled down on our back um, wall you only get compensation for what's pulled down. We got 100% compensation from the government. It hasn't all come through, please pray. We've got 50% left and there's a court case, um, but it will eventually come through. But that was God's provision. We built it, it was pulled down, and we get all the money for it, and we couldn't have been there anyway. It suddenly became clear we were not to be there. And that's not easy when you've poured your life out. But what we realized is our 20-year plan, God did it in eight. So please pray for the church in Panshi, the pastor, and all the people there. You will see a little bit in uh, the video. Um, we won't go into the names of the people 
Uh, they're not all there, but it's a good church. They're there um, speaking to other people in the village, and it's really exciting what's happened. So can we show the next video? it again. So that's the new church in our village and we are really excited about it to see these people come on and um, to have such a dedicated team there. Um, so yeah, think and dream big and God will give you something um, and then be obedient to leave when you have to. So that's what was left. Now we support him, we support the pastor that's Yunnan province in, in China. We support the pastor. We have a full-time evangelist. We're supporting um, some of the building work, some of the, um, uh, his business. There's lots to support. Now, it used to be a lot easier. I was in China, and we had a hotel. We spent our money to put that in. That was personal money, and that money was plowed back into the work. Um, we just took enough to be able to feed ourselves and live. And uh, the same with the cafe. We did exactly the same with the cafe. Um, and now we've realized how much money we were putting in, uh, which was pretty much most of it. Um, and now there's a big hole. So I'm back and I haven't got a job and I don't intend to have a full-time job. But there's a big hole for the finances. So please pray to see if you can help support these new churches and evangelists. They need help. The village, they will give food, but they have no money to actually help with um, living, real living expenses. So anyway, that's part of it. Then we also got involved with adoption. 
which is very strange because I've never been, I always end up doing kids' work, but I'm never a kids' worker. It's like, nope, don't want anything to do with that, but I've always ended up with kids, which is kind of ironic. Um, and it was an accident. Tracy, by accident, ended up adopting Yana. Um, we were trying to adopt, she was trying to adopt a boy that had been staying with us. He'd been in a family for over six years. He was fully westernized. They found out they couldn't adopt him. They never could, actually. So they returned him to the orphanage. And we're like, no, you cannot do this. This is a boy. We know him. He stayed with us. He speaks English. You can't abandon him. We tried to find someone somewhere in this planet to adopt him. He had a very short time. No one would. Tracy tried for her sister to adopt him. She started the process. It never worked. Um, so in the end, Tracy's like, I'll start. I'm not telling anyone. I'll start. Her parents had agreed to take him to America, and they were going to bring him up. Um, she wasn't old enough yet because she's a single mum, but she started the process. It continued, and then a family came along. And she was so excited. Family came along, but every day she looked to see if his profile was matched. This family then turned around and said, we can't do it. We don't have the money. And I said, we've raised every single bit of the money for this adoption. We'd already raised 35,000 pounds for the US dollars for the adoption. So we handed the money over. They adopted him. But every day, Tracy was looking to see that he'd been adopted. And every day, if you can show the next file, she saw this picture. Excuse me. <coughs> I've got cold. <laughs> so this is Yana. And she was stuck in an orphanage. And Tracy said she saw this picture and every day God would say, this is your daughter. And she couldn't adopt her, but she, in the end, she chased her. She chased her through different agencies. She figured out this was right. And she adopted Yana. We all know Yana's, what turn, Yana's turned out. She's an amazing girl. She's, a, she's got a heart for God. She is a strong believer. She wants to go to Bible college in two years. Um, her whole life is dedicated to serving the Lord. So other people here have adopted. We know that. I mean, Mandy's adopted. She's got two wonderful daughters, Anna and Holly, and other people have adopted. We know so many people have adopted. But then Yana turned around. If you do the next slide, this was very soon after she'd been adopted. There was a very quick change around. Then, of course... Yana asked when we had the first camp, which we accidentally got involved in, we said, we'll do a camp for the HIV kids. There was an HIV home we got involved in. And then Yana said, can we bring the little one to stay with us for the summer? And the orphanage turned around and said, yeah, here, here's a bag. And that was Zoe. Next slide. That's Zoe. And uh, she's never grown. She's really short now. Um, and uh, when we had to return her, the government found out we had her, we had to return her, and taking her to the train station was just... Tracy had no intention of adopting her, but just to see her being handed back 
And it's just like, I can't do that. So she started the adoption for uh, Zoe. None of these kids in the homes were on the adoption list. Not one. They were considered totally worthless. A, they were just kids. B, they were rejected by the orphanage. That's why they were in the group home. They're all HIV positive. The group home was looking after the kids that would normally be locked away in a room with no interaction with anyone. So these kids, all they've got wrong with them is a little virus. And when it's taken medication, it means it's undetectable, untransmittable, and there's nothing wrong with these kids. It's not their fault. So we said, we're going to help these kids get adopted. And the homes were like, no one wants them. And there was a little autistic boy who was really difficult, but we really loved him. When he left our camp the first year, he sat down in the driveway and just broke down. And all our staff came out, and we came out, and our hearts were just ripped apart, saying, we have to do that. Jonah was adopted by Trace's best friend. He's nonverbal autistic. And when he got adopted, suddenly the home thought, these kids, maybe, if the worst one can get adopted, hey. So we fight to get these kids on the adoption list. And we're fighting to get them adopted, the ones that can. So then, next slide, please. This is Zoe, uh, Bible Day in America, just after she'd been adopted. Next slide. This is the one, David, that Tracy had seen at the camp. My mother loved this boy. All he'd do was go up to my mum and hold her hand. So my mum would cry, and then he'd cry. All he did was ever cry. And Tracy said, that's a boy if I'm ever going to adopt one. So David now is part of Trace's family. If, next slide. Um, he was taken back, unfortunately, by the orphanage. The government gave an edict saying, no more group homes. Some orphanages panicked, so they pulled the kids back. His pulled him back to the orphanage, which, of course, didn't want him because he's HIV. So they sent him 10 months. He was in a lockdown room with adult um, severe mental problems and a couple of down, severe Down syndrome kids. He had no friends, no playmates, wasn't allowed outside for 10 months. When Tracy got him, she thought he's going to be affected seriously by this. But Zoe, because she knew him, she was in the same home with him, prayed every night, and Yana, God, let him protect his heart. Let him be a Christian. Let him know you. Protect his heart in this bad place. And when he came out, the very first night Tracy had him, he prayed with her. He had become a Christian just before he went into... He didn't know what it was. He hadn't, didn't really become a Christian. He had been t shared the gospel with one of the workers from the homes because he'd broken his arm. And he, where he said he was taken to this very bad place. And this worker had said to him, if you need help, pray to God. Talk to God. And every night he was talking to God, please get me adopted. So he was easy. So all these kids have come and they're Christians and they're fully on board to get all their friends adopted.
So anyway, I've talked too long. Can we do the next video about the homes? We are fully involved with the homes now. That's Jonah. Keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure love. Am I more than just the sum of every heart? And every low Remind me once again just who I am Because I need to know kids and you put them in a room, they're no different to any other kid. They just are HIV positive. And it's a cheater as far as adoption, but the government wants to hide it up. They don't want these kids to be seen that oh, they've got HIV. So a lot of these kids can't be adopted. They're already getting too old. Uh, we're struggling to get them on the list because the agencies don't want you to... They're lazy. They're lazy in China. To, they have to do paperwork for these kids. But like the first child, Sadie, she was... Her parents died of AIDS. <clears throat> she was in the village. She was six. And the village came to stone her to death. She's adopted. She came live with us for four months as a transition. Esther, who's with Rachel, her, her parents died. She had family. At seven years old, she was left in the house on her own for two years. They wouldn't take her into their homes, so they'd come with a, a meal every day and throw it on the doorstep. There are many, many stories like that. It's horrendous just because people are scared. Um, we've had a few issues with David even in this country with schools going, ah, panic, no, 
It's non-disclosurable disease. You don't even have to notify anyone. Nobody can catch it. It's so stigmatized. So we're helping these homes. The director has come to us and said, we don't know what to do with these kids when they get older. So our house that we lived in after our other one had been demolished is now a transitioning house. We wonder why it was so big. So David and Ting Ting are living there, um, and they are pulling the... They're not yet believers, but they fully... Um, they pray, they do everything, but they wouldn't call themselves Christians yet. Um, they're having kids in. We're transitioning in, them into jobs, giving them work experience. Um, Frankie and a couple of others that work to the gecko. Uh, we have one girl work at a kindergarten, um, and in the end, the kindergarten said that they'd employ her. But then she had to have a blood test done. And I'm like, great. HIV, no one will employ her. So I went and talked to them. They were Christians. And eventually, after no, 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 they knew her. She'd work with them. And I said, is she a good worker? And they said, oh, she's the best we've had. I said, brilliant, I want to talk to you. And then they had to, I said, well, if you don't want her to work with you, you are going to have to tell her why. And they couldn't. When you know someone, you can't walk up to them and say, sorry, I don't like the fact you've got a virus, bye. So she's working as a kindergarten, in the kindergarten now. And that's what we want for all these kids, that they can get support and training and help um, and to nix this, this stigma of HIV. So um, there's lots more I could say. I'd like to end with a message from Tian Ming. And this was encouragement for me um, and for Tracy. Um, he posted this so that everyone could see it. Um, and he was just really saying how, he said to me how grateful he was. Um, so it, it's, Jesus said, I have food to eat that you do not know. Then the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to do his work. Will you not say four months shall be left till the time of the harvest? And I say unto you, lift thine eyes towards the field, and behold, the harvest is ripe, and ye shall reap. The reapers get their wages, and gathering grain to everlasting life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. The saying is true. The man sows, and the man reaps. I sent you to reap what you did not labor. You enjoy what they toiled for. We were the ones in this case that toiled and they are reaping. And we want to celebrate that they have that from a seed that we had sown all those years. So um, if you can please pray for us, please pray for Tian Ming. Um, there is a lot happening in China at the moment, I think you know. I think I've gone over time. I do have a little video, but you can see that later, or I'll send it out on Snap about the lockdown in China. I do want to make an a, a appeal to you, though. Dali is in complete lockdown. No one's allowed out their houses. Uh, per household now, starting today, and a household may be a whole courtyard, one person is allowed out every two days to get food. That's it. No one is allowed outside. And that is every village, every single place. Your temperature is taken at the end of the roadblocks. When you go into Dali, there is only two supermarkets open. 
that's it. You have to scan your phone to get in so they know who's been in and out. The economy is crashed. Everything is totally hopeless in our areas and other areas. Some areas it seems are better, but it is horrendous. Jonglen, who owns the Blue Gecko Cafe now, we gave that to her when we left. She had to shut it. The government said, shut all restaurants. Shut, shut, shut. She has no way of making any money for her family. So I just appeal to you. I have some Chinese coins here. I got 20. If, I don't want this to be a forever thing, but if anyone would like to take a coin and commit to 25 pounds for three months, that should see Jonglan through. Uh, this video I can send out later. It's three minutes. It's about the lockdown now. It's showing some of our friends hang. But I know we've run out of time. So please, you want to see it? Okay, can you show this? As I say, it's, it's a difficult situation in China. Nobody get out. Everybody stay home. Uh, it's so cold. It's very wet. of over 7 million. Now there are already over 40 confirmed cases. Uh, like many other big cities in China, the city is almost locked down to the outside. People are struggling to get food and hospitals lack enough medical equipment and supplies. A piece of very bad news. Uh, a passenger on the same flight with me on January 26th uh, was just diagnosed. Uh, so I have been staying at home for 12 days. So since the winter period of the virus is as long as two weeks, so hopefully I can make it. Um, I don't dare to go to big supermarkets near my apartment. Fortunately, there are some uh, small shops uh, along the street. 
so I go out every three or four days to get some vegetables and meat. This is what we have for our cat, about one month's food. And uh, now this is all we have for the next two weeks. You see, Max, I live here this building. I just go down and now I walk to my workmate other building. This car to go out and, and come in, we need to register our name, otherwise we cannot go out. <laughs> So that may give you a little snippet. I think quite a few of you have been to Dali and quite a few of you have been to China. Uh, there really is no people. That video is well out of date now. I did it last week. People aren't allowed out. So you wouldn't get people going skateboarding. Uh, you physically can't go out in the whole of Kunming, Dali and many other cities. Shirley is locked in Chongqing. She's been in there since uh, before Chinese New Year. And it's right, the medical supplies in places are running out. The interesting thing is they think they may have a vaccine, same as SARS, and it's using HIV meds. So they've confiscated all the HIV meds from the homes and there aren't any. And quite a few HIV patients are committing suicide because they don't have any medicine now. I've been asked to get medicine here to send to China. And of course, I can't. I can't just go to a hospital and say, please give me this HIV meds. So it is affecting everyone. So please pray, please give, please support. Thank you.